Welcome to Wabi Sabi Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Yasmin. It's definitely been quite a journey these last few months in this pandemic. I took a pause from releasing episodes. I feel like I'm always apologetic about the inconsistencies of these episode postings. But in this interim time, I did get fully vaccinated against COVID-19. I hope you've had the chance to do so as well. And if you haven't, please take a moment to make an appointment. So as we move forward into this inevitability of a post-pandemic society, I'm going to be taking a concerted effort to feature a lot more colleagues in the field and the very deep and insightful conversations I have with them many of which I'm meeting for the first time. So I'm really honored to share my conversation this week with my friend Christina Maleka. She's the founder of ScreenTimeLifeline.com. She is a licensed mental health counselor. hosting retreats next year in 2022 so definitely check the show notes for more information on that so without further ado here's my conversation with Christina I can't remember I can't recall if I discovered you either through the digital wellness collective or through clubhouse or maybe both i think it might have been through clubhouse i think it might have been through clubhouse. and yeah. and uh you so yeah so you you do something that i i feel like i also you know, closely relate to, which is help support people with with tech overwhelm, with digital overwhelm. And you also are uh, a psycho, a psychoanalyst or psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Yeah. Amazing. Can you can you um, can you talk about the the sort of the weaving of those two fabrics together? Yeah. Let's see. Um, well, I mean, I guess I guess I can go back to sort of what my career trajectory has been. Mm. Um, I started out my career as a community organizer, so I've always been someone who's like fairly political. Um, and I started my career as a, com- a community organizer, working on like environmental justice, racial justice, corporate accountability stuff, and. Um, I did that for like a long time. And in my mid thirties, I went back to school to become a psychotherapist. And I really see that as a shift from sort of macro social change to micro social change. Because what I was noticing is that it's, you know, it's really hard for people to be change agents in the world if they're not regulated, if they're not working on their own stuff, if they're not healed. Because social change from, you know, coming from a place of trauma um, isn't, isn't really effective. And so I also apply this kind of like systemic um, analysis to my work around digital well-being too. So, um, you know, as a therapist, so I went back to school, I became a psychotherapist. Um, As a therapist, I also like take an approach that's not about situating problems within individuals. It's really about looking at like larger, greater social context. So I'm I consider myself sort of a politicized healer and 
I have been a therapist now for like, I can't even remember how long. I mean, for a while I was saying 16 years, it must be like 17 years or something. And so I've sort of, I've had this front row seat to the digital age happening. Like I've watched it happen because when I first started, um, Facebook might existed, but I think it was probably only for like students at Harvard. So there wasn't any social media, there weren't smartphones. Um, and uh, I've just really watched the change in people. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I close always want to preface this by saying I'm not anti-tech. Um, but I also think sometimes we go too far with that. You know, we're like, I'm not anti-tech, I'm not anti-tech without like being, you know, speaking truths about like, well, there's some stuff here that's like really harmful. So I kind of noticed, I mean, social media obviously is huge. Um, you know, so the emotional costs of social media, the, you know, we know, we know this and probably your audience knows this, you know, increased depression and anxiety, um, weaker social ties, FOMO. Uh, I always talk about like, now, you know, when your friends go out to brunch without you, you can, you know, know the, you know, you can know what your ex is doing for the rest of your life. Like that's harmful. So I watched, I've watched that. Um, and people just starting to come in with lots of anxiety about what happened on social media. Um, and really seeing that comparison piece and also feeling like they, they spending too much time on it. Um, the other thing that I have really noticed is the impact of the change to text messaging is our primary form of communication, um, which actually causes a lot of suffering and confusion. Um, you know, we don't have any sort of agreed upon etiquette around texting or understanding around how do we be, how are we accountable to each other? Um, we lose like 70% of communication is body language. So that's gone. We don't hear vocal tone. Um, and I don't know, like it's really uh, a challenge for people. And I remember when people first started coming into my office and they were talking about having these like, really intense conversations with their partner or, you know, a family member or their friend. And I read, I started, it started to dawn on me, it was having over text message. And I was like, yikes. So of course I text, texting, you know, that horse is out of the barn. Like I, <laughs> but I also just feel like we lost some commitment to accountability to each other through that. And it's caused a lot of disconnect actually um, and people's ability to um, hear each other, each other. And then the other thing, the uptick of the demands on us um, at work in general to be always, always on, to be always available. And people having much higher rates of anxiety and hard time regulating themselves emotionally, knowing themselves, um, like really taking that time for contemplation, having a hard time being alone. Um, so that's what, that's how those two things intersect for me. And I, um, the thing that really shifted me is like in 2017, I took a completely screen-free retreat for a week um, with like nothing. Um, not even TV, nothing. Was that and, something uh, that you like, you did yourself or that was something that you were a part of? I did it myself. And because uh, I realized that I was, you know, falling into the rabbit holes too. And it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, you know, we talk about, is this addictive or not? And I used to say, I don't like to use the word addiction, but now I'm kind of changing my mind on that. Um, it was really hard, but at about day three, it started to become pretty amazing. Like I really was able to sort of reflect. I mean, I'm 54. I was like 52 then, or I don't know, 49. It's time goes so fast. Um, but I was really able to like set some intentions about how I want to be spending the second half of my life, you know, and like really right size and really develop some practices for right sizing my relationship with technology. So I came back from that and I'm like a very impulsive person. And I was like, I'm going to throw a retreat. <laughs> really not having any idea like what is involved with that um and you know I don't have any marketing background like but people came to it and it was amazing and I love holding that space for people I'm not 
digitally detoxing people. I'm giving people a different kind of experience. Um, so that's kind of where that's where it started. And it does intersect. I will, it does intersect. And I see it a lot with my clients, but because of the ethical codes with my profession, they're separate. You know what I mean? Like if my clients want to work on that, they know that I do that. They can work on it. If a client knows that I'm having a retreat and they want to come, we talk about how to manage that dual relationship. Um, but I never, you know, I never want my clients to feel pressured to engage in my side gig. And so I do work with it all the time in my sessions, but in terms of screen time lifeline and my therapy practice, they're, they're separate, um, separate websites, separate things. Um, but, you know, I work with people a lot, you know, clients want to come in and they want to have their phone like on the couch next to them. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a lot of work, like, why don't you put it across the room? And instead of reading me this text exchange with someone, why don't you tell me how it felt? What came up for you? Like, let's not get so caught up in the content. We're so caught up in content in our culture right now. So, you know, that's kind of, um, I have like an attachment uh, approach in my therapy practice. So I'm really aware of how important human relationships are just for co-regulation of our nervous systems and um, for survival. Uh, and I also, you know, I'm a trauma therapist. So I'm also really, I really am mindful about when asking people to find balance with their tech, giving them tools to manage their nervous system. Because a lot of people are actually going toward that because they are anxious. It's kind of interesting. Like you go back to the thing that's going to make you more anxious to manage your anxiety. But if you don't have another tool, it's very, very hard to do that. So that's my long answer. I'm very, I'm, I'm very, so you can be like, you know, no, no, no. I, this is, this is what this, this isn't about me. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's my program, but no, I want, I want to hear, I'm here to listen to the story. I'm selfishly, I set up this container to listen to stories and to have a connection with someone. So please don't like, yeah, there's no, and this, I mean, these are really long form, unedited, transparent conversation. Right. This isn't like some, you know, you know, this, yeah, that's not what I'm, it's Wabi Sabi. I mean, this is, this is about, right. this is about really <laughs> aiming for imperfection in this, in this that's context. Good. So yeah. um, that's, that's there's so many amazing things I would love to, um, um, <clears throat> draw upon just based on what you said i love that you've created this this side gig as you say of screen time lifeline which is which is both a resource a what i understand kind of a coaching um, it's not coaching i don't do coaching right one-on-one um, -on -one work i do community yeah. events yeah okay you so you do events and you do right and you do retreats which look amazing i i, I went to your site and <clears throat> absorbed um absorbed a lot of information and was looking at these these uh, retreats that you have set up for next year which look incredible um and i really feel like at this stage of pandemic that uh you know, even given the fact that, you know, pre-pandemic people were already inclined to invest in immersive experiences. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be quite a, um, what's the metaphor here? Kind of bringing, bring, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to make, I feel like we started off the conversation with like the toad in a hole and that's not, <laughs> A bit, a bit just based on just just based on talking about breakfast and it's like i don't want to bring another animal metaphor of like bringing the hens to roost or like the cows come home because we're not we're not this is no animal farm um and like why and why do we do that number one but i mean it just sounds like it feels it feels like 
moving forward as we project into a post-pandemic society and how deprived we are as a society, as a culture, uh, for intimate um, life affirming, not, you know, like non-intoxicating uh, group experiences, you know, and these, these experiences are not, um, you know, these experiences are not only about these shamanic experiences or, or ayahuasca ceremonies or like, there's nothing against that, but I think in the same, and, you know, when, when speaking about the necessity for, um, here's something else I want to, I want to draw upon this. What's the word right now, man. Anyway, this, uh, this strange kind of really sweeping aside of, of contemplation, if, if it feels like, and I'm not an expert, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I'm really curious to know just based on your experience as a psychotherapist, what is it about contemplation that turns people off? Do people seem to equate contemplation with boredom or like nothing is happening or I'm not being like, are we, are we meshing together these, uh, shit, I, I just can't, I feel like I can't explain anything right now, <laughs> but I, I feel like I'm, I'm on the tip. I feel like I'm on the tip of something. Yeah. Okay. Just take your time. By the end of the week, yeah. I, I lose yours. <laughs> it's Friday. I got my first shot on Monday. I'm a little bit slow. Like it's yeah. Oh, I got mine uh, last week. It's great. I was really yeah. tired. Yes. Two days after I got my first. Yes, yes. I was. Like, it was remarkably. It's a fun tangent. Yeah, I was remarkably. I was remarkably tired, and my arm was sore for like two days. And that was the first shot, and I thought, oh, the second shot. shot's going to be a little bit of a doozy. I feel like, but I, I'm I'm looking schedule. forward. I'm clearing. I, I'm yeah. clearing out three days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I can go back to the contemplation piece if you want, or do you want yeah, to take please. a minute to remember? It's going to come. Um, it's just going to come in, in these different. Yeah, just, yeah. of course. Um, why is it so hard? Well, I really do think that um, smartphones are really actually a big component to that. Um, I think that being alone with oneself, it takes, it actually takes some work. It actually takes developing some wisdom, some maturity, some tools to settle in your body. Um, and we're kind of losing that. We're losing opportunities for that. So I think that, um, I mean, contemplation is scary. And once again, you know, I'm a psychotherapist. So when I'm talking with people about contemplation, it's, it's often people who are just anxious or depressed. And so it's harder to be um, inside themselves, but I think in general, um, you know, I think maybe it's a boredom thing. I think it's like hyperproductivity. I think we live in this like kind of, you know, late stage capitalism, hyperproductivity, where if you're not producing something all the time, you're not of value. Contemplation is not valued in our culture at all. Like information is valued, but knowledge isn't valued and wisdom isn't valued. And so, you know, there's not, there's no reward. There's no, really no reward for contemplation in a, in a very reward-based culture. So I think it's cultural. I think that it's, as long as we have a supercomputer um, at our disposal, any time to distract us, we just forget how to do it. Like, you know, like my experience, I thought that I wasn't, I thought that I didn't have that. I thought I didn't have a problem, you know, and um, I felt horrible. And uncomfortable when I took a week off tech for like the first three days. I felt agitated. I felt uncomfortable. I felt upset. I felt anxious. Um, I had to sit with myself. And that's a hard, you know, I think that this work, it's a hard sell. I think that this work, um, we're still at a place where it's a hard sell. I think we're still at a place where maybe people feel like the cure is worse than the problem. I think that's going to shift and change. Um, but people really struggle. They, 
really have a hard time. Um, once they have a different experience, I mean, the reason I do retreats is because I want to give people some extended time and having a different experience. And people often are very anxious. I have a lot of people who are like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. And because I give them tons of ways to like, to be in contemplation and to regulate their nervous system and to be in social connection, which is how we move into that kind of parasympathetic rest state, they feel great. But it's just like, we need the steps to get there. We're, you know, we're, and I think that's the work that you and I are doing is like, how do we give people the steps to get there? How do, it's like unlocking this incredible, you know, it's like unlocking the gauge. It's a beautiful garden of contemplation and rest and stillness and joy. Um, how do we get people there? So that was kind of the <laughs> answer. <laughs> no, it's that's that is the yeah, that is like the meandering, you know, the stream, right? That just kind of goes into all these nooks and crannies. You no, know, it's it is uh it's inspiring to hear that you are event-based because um it's something that I feel like not only I myself, but along with my my partner Pam, um is something that I feel like when the time is right, it's something I will also want to try doing as well, because, you know, my journey into this came from the experience of noticing. Yeah. And noticing my own issues with tech. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a pure digital native, but I'm more of a digital native. Right. So I remember starting to use AOL Instant Messenger when I was in junior high, so what, eighth grade, mm -hmm. 13, 14. Um, high school saw the evolution. So in a four-year period for me, saw the evolution from everyone having pagers to having Nokias. And I graduated high school on the heels of 9-11. And yeah, and my first smartphone was the, the second iPhone that I got in the summer of 2008. So here I am almost 13 years later. Um, and yet, at it, you know, running parallel to using digital technology um, growing up, you know, and sort of like from an adolescent or post adolescent uh, period, um, noticing how as a, as an individual, the things that I valued were like playing music. So music friends, um, reasonable amounts of mischief and then when i was 24 or 5 i discovered gong fucha chinese tea ceremony through the through the act of being a musician and showing up to perform in different spaces with different people and it was such a mindfuck a delightful mindfuck to to immerse myself not only in another culture that has different values that that considers others on top of themselves. Yes. But this, this, this technology of entrainment and flow state, and there is this pattern of movement and it's not so it's not rigid, but it is a pattern. It's, it's movement that is based on, on, attention reverence hands fingers textures elements heat you know all these things all five senses all five senses right it's it is magic right it's like what is yeah. tea well tea is tea is magic but it's also leaves and water and and clay and right it's like you can you can you can distill it down to its most basic fundamentals and yet it's it's magic because of what 
happens in in a in a period of dedicated time. So Gong Fu Cha, and I've you know, I've explained this in, in other episodes, but it's always great to keep explaining it again because I feel like it, you know, from a Zen mind beginner's mind perspective, like I don't know, I'm not an expert on anything, but after 13 years of having this relationship with this um, brewing methodology in this culture, um, you know, Gong Fu is, is translated as effort, Cha is tea, so tea with effort. So the, so the implication is that with time, presence, reverence, dedication, and practice, you produce a profound tea experience. And so how does this tie into, into digital well-being and, and tech overwhelm? Well, I've, I was lucky to already have this practice embedded into me, you know, once I started using smartphones. So from the beginning, right? So we're talking now in the beginning of 2010, I was on a quest to prove to myself that I don't need intoxicants to, I don't need to be in bars or smoke cigarettes to meet people. I can, I can, <laughs> I can almost, I could, I can offer a space of conviviality and contemplation and tea and learning about tea wherever I go. And so I was this one man, like lily pad, this tea, this kind of roving tea ceremony at all kinds of events here in Los Angeles. And when I've been able to travel and, and be invited to do so in other places like New York and, and uh, London and Reykjavik. And so from, I've already, I've, I've, I learned from, you know, at, a, at this early stage that tea uh, is the quintessential social lubricant. And it's also a vehicle for non-dogmatic kind of an embodied spiritual experience, if you will. I mean, tea is rooted in, in Buddhism, which is really rooted in Taoism. So we could, we could, we could spend a lot of time, um, you know, exploring, exploring that. And, you know, one thing that I offer to people is, uh, Along the way, I've I've learned from a mentor uh, and a community that he's he's put together about Cha Dao, which is this. It is a Taoist um, embodiment through tea. So there's all that, that, and that that may seem a bit etheric to people, and yet from from the again from the perspective of pandemic, being steeped in this. I'm sorry, I feel like swearing like a pirate today, but this like this really this fucking hyper hustle crush kill culture that is like also endemic to like to males, to like <laughs> to, to men, right? Who who it's patriarchy. It's patriarchy. <laughs> it's it is it is it's not it's not attractive. It's never been attractive to me. And and I've always like I've always been somewhere in the back. Like I'm going to be a bass player. I'm going to be a percussionist. I'm going to be a visual artist. Then when my partner and I, when Pam and I discovered that, that we were going to have a baby in the end of 2014, I was like, okay. All right. I had a taste of musician life. It's not really for me. I'm not really dedicated. I love music and, and, relating to people on on those on the on those levels but the life of a musician didn't wasn't really appealing anymore so i transitioned into what's known as ux design ux is was having this gold rush moment where it was everything was hinged on a work-life balance this 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 role ux design what is ux it's user experience what is user experience it is taking it is advocating for users' needs and brand goals and creating a bridge to be able to architect digital experiences that serve both 
parties, which in a vacuum is basically fucking impossible. But, uh, and ironically, like, like, like digital wellness, it's also something that needed to be sold. Yes. uh, To, to stakeholders. Right. So I spent five years as a freelance UX designer here in LA and what I saw was, and what I experienced myself doing to be able to go from feast to famine, like every freelancer does, is build these bullshit experiences that are so exclusive, like credit card rewards, member portals to to opt to bid on exclusive experiences that that <laughs> that extract you from the rest of society. Anyway, all this stuff. I was just like, what do we do? I'm like, what are we doing? I hate that I have to to keep saying yes to something when I don't feel a yes because I need to feed my feed my family and and you know pay down my debts. And so uh and because of because of who I am as a person and what my values are, you know, through tea and everything, I I knew it wasn't going to last for me personally. And then the pandemic hit. And so like anything that wasn't working up until the pandemic went completely global. Right. So I felt like, okay, I've already been a person that advocates for, (laughs) for tea ceremony. I show up, I've shown up in places I've, I've shown up in places in the name of corporate wellness um, because one of the things that I did, you know, as a side, as a side hustle to UX design was, 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 you know, if I'd work with a startup or an, or an agency for a period of time, some brief period of time, you know, a few weeks later, I turn around and say, Hey, so I know we're done with this contract, but I want to offer this service to the team to basically offer an in-office retreat. Retreats are great because it's it takes you away. It takes you out of 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 the of the hamster wheel so that <laughs> so that you can grow as 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 an individual but also in community. But what if we can do this in office? We can we can put our stuff on airplane mode, we could dim the lights, we could be on the floor. Here's my cushions, here's my tea set. I could give you information, but we could really just be in this contemplative space, which yes, is intimidating for some people. But as soon as you cross that threshold of a few minutes, yes, parasympathetic uh, activates and you really can be in this receptive state where you can allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and think what you're thinking. Absolutely. Which is which was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. I did it with like vfx studios like people who were like constantly on these crazy machines making amazing art but doing so at yeah. the detriment to their to their physical health right so vfx studios and and um and startups and all these things so here the pandemic hits and it's like well i know uncertainty i have i have a history my own history with uncertainty um and I know my listeners have heard this, 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 you know, these stories in in previous episodes, but I felt like the most responsible and helpful thing I can do to to people not it's not for me, but to people was just to offer this kind of a space of accountability and exploration that is non dogmatic. That's non dogmatic uh, to just to help you see yourself, just to help you to recognize these mechanisms. Right. Um, And again, to do so that's free of like, we must digital detox and be free of devices because we're living in a pandemic. I mean, I am a big fan of Cal Newport's work and his book, digital minimalism, but what he offers as a template is extreme in a pandemic. So um so it gets, it gets, again, it's like more nuanced and it's also more challenging and it's a harder sell, but this is still, it feels, it still feels very important to do. And it's, it is exciting 
and humbling to just be in the presence of, you know, people like you who are doing, who have done this work and who come from a different, not too different place, but just from, from a unique space and unique background that, uh, that can be so helpful to people if they, if they're open to that. I mean, right. It's like you, <laughs> I found that people need a lot of support. Yeah. I have different, I'm probably the only person who's not a huge fan of Kel Newport. Probably the only yeah. person I know. Um, I mean, he's fine, but like, have you read Sherry Temple's work? <laughs> I know, I know. I've I've read some of Sherry Temple's work. Yeah. So there's just there are a lot of people, a lot of women actually said what he's saying um, yeah. earlier and better. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. I think his work is really helpful for people. I think he's really focused on productivity as an end goal. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like situated around capitalism. I also think that his work doesn't really take into it. I think that his work is really great for men who have a partner who is taking care of the rest of their life. I mean, it's very, very privileged, um, very privileged perspective on how to balance technology. And it, it feels almost kind of shaming and, um, you know, for me, I'm not so concerned about how much time you're spending on your phone. I'm concerned about how are you finding meaning in your life? Um, you know, what brings you joy? Do you have time to think about what you want to be doing instead? And then also like the power of relationship. And so the work I've done with the pandemic, I've decided I don't want to do any more Zoom groups. I don't want to do any more virtual um, groups. I mean, I, I'm on, I, I told you, I have like this horrible eye problem because I'm on a screen all day doing telehealth therapy. Um, and pretty soon I'll be able to do things in person with people. I mean, I think that once I can do in-person events, I will hold virtual stuff because I now have people who, you know, around the world who, who come work with me and these things, but um, I just need to have more embodied interaction with humans. Um, but what I find is that you can give people, that this is really hard and it's it, it's held in community. When people can hold each other and support each other in community, they're much more likely to be able to find this balance. And so what I've been doing during the pandemic are these little five week groups called um, Untethered Together, um, which is like a small group. I keep it like under eight people um, where it's really about community building. And I bring in all sorts of practices um, around self-knowledge, mindfulness, um, you know, I bring in tricks and tips, but for me, it's more important to give people a different experience and to encourage them to connect, be vulnerable and have some ideas about what would they like to do instead? Cause I think that we've lost that. Um, and so those have been great. They've been really fun to do. Um, but I'm, I also, you know, this is like hard to admit, but I am really a workaholic. Um, and so, you know, having a full-time therapy practice and then, you know, until recently screen time lifeline was almost another full-time job. Um, in January, I was like, I'm taking a break. Like I am taking a break. And so I've really, you know, I'm going to get back with my retreats and stuff in 2022, actually, because things are opening up so quick, I've had a lot of interest. And so maybe I'll do something in October um, you know, a retreat wise, and then go back to having like my in-person groups in Seattle. And, um, I don't know how I got off on this tangent, basically that I feel like this is a, a personal growth project that's best held in community, that people community. Um, I, I, I'm in, to, to I'm in full agreement. Balance. I'm in full agreement because I, I don't, you know, I, I never thought like, I never, I know a lot of people in the tea industry who have pivoted into virtual events and have done some amazing things. I mean, there is still a chance to have an authentic connection one-on-one -on -one with someone like have a tea tasting, like I, I could ship out stuff and you can get it and we can kind of walk through, we could do some kind of <laughs> digital handholding together and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yet, no, I, I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of, of uh, you know this this vaccine because I do want to be able to offer the service to people. It it it's what's given me 
so much meaning, given my life meaning in the last decade plus. It's how I met my partner, Pam. It's how I met my my mentors and just met the most fascinating and wild people. Um, and so I, 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 yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited at the prospect of doing that, you know, safely and responsibly somehow. <laughs> I mean, we're in LA, so we'll be doing it outdoors, which will be a lot of fun. Um, but I hope that like in some, you know, hypothetical, like in the future, like that, that, you know, uh, maybe we all somehow could do these things together in these different pods and these different partnerships and all these things. Cause, because I, because I, because I think I really, and just to circle back, it's like, I really do feel like it's risky that we're all opening up so fast because I think, yeah. I think we're going to be slamming the, I mean, I look at Europe and I'm like, we are two months behind Europe. The shit's going to hit the fan here. I hate to be so crass right now, but yeah. I do feel like we're like it, you know, and I, I'm, it's like our daughter's in kindergarten and it's like right now there's just been this hybrid schedule and like most of the sentiment of the parents is like i am fucking over this like it's just just do it it'll be fine it'll be fine i trust everyone and i'm just like i i'm gonna be that guy i'm with you 100 <laughs> percent just because you want it to happen doesn't mean have, it's a I good idea Exactly. I'm immunocompromised, so I've been really careful um, through all of this. But yeah, I do see a lot of a lot of magical thinking. It's also like if your state has really stupid, um, you know, if they're allowing people to dine indoors during a global pandemic, you know, people are like, "Well, I can. I, I'm allowed to." It's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, <laughs> but no, and I'm hoping, you know that's one of the reasons that I, you know, scheduled most of my stuff for 2022, because I'm really hoping that at that point we can do this safely. Yeah. You know, and if we can do it safely in October, I'll throw something together. But um, I wanted to go back to something you were talking about. Yes. Okay. What was it? Oh, talking about how the tea, you know, the tea ceremonies have really helped you to have balance with technology. Like, yes. I think that's valuable here um, with younger people. Like, for me, I didn't have a personal computer in my house till I was like 32 years old. Yeah. And so my childhood and adult, young adulthood were wonderful. Like, I know that people get tired of like, it was better in the old days. And there are great things about now. But I also feel like um, one of the reasons that people don't want to hear about how it was different is because of ageism. Yes. We value the experience of older people or we just, you know, we, and especially now things are so polarized between like boomers and millennials and there's just so much ageist rhetoric on all levels. Um, but like, I feel like for those of us who have had these experiences, mentoring, we know what it's like. Like, I know what it's like to have a social life without social media. And I know what it's like to, to be bored and to enjoy myself and to not have so much hustle in my life. And I, um, I want to share that with people. Yeah. I want to help people. Feel that. I don't want us to lose that as a culture. Um, you know, and I feel like elders and people even older than me, um, we do have something to offer in that space because we've had, and you know, you, we've had an embodied experience of something different. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I'm, you know, my thing Another thing that I did that was like really helpful for me is I also um, was an actor, um, just like doing French theater and uh, that acting, you know, I love performing. That was really fun. But actually the scene study classes where you're like working up with a partner to really go in depth with a scene, like acting is about listening. Um, it's about being present. It's about being fully in the moment. And like that also has really informed the way I want to work with people because it feels amazing. Um, but I do think that I don't want to lose, you know, I think about when I was a kid, when we went on car trips, 
I didn't have anything to distract me. I couldn't read. I get car sick. Yeah. Um, and I just sit there and just be in my stare. Just gaze. I mean, even just gaze out the window. I mean, this is. Yeah. And when you can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you can do that, you start, that's a, that's how you develop a sense of self. Mm -hmm. You can't develop a sense of self. Um, if you are constantly distracted and I want that for people, I want that for people. (laughs) I mean, this particular topic alone validates a whole, a whole nother three hour long, you know, sitting over tea and talking about this, but like, I, I've noticed as a parent to a five-year-old in this pandemic, um, so like, you know, for us, we're not dealing with, with someone who, who, who craves social media. We, we're, we're dealing with someone who craves connection with, with her friends or with other kids and, yeah. and finding the ways to do that responsibly has been great, both, both virtually and in person. I mean, I've seen her. I have a childhood friend who has a daughter and they live in Colorado. And so we've never met her. I've watched them have a FaceTime. I've watched them have FaceTime playdates in this last year that have blown my fucking mind because it's so sincere. And it's like, we're going to take this magical window and like, actually like hang out and play together and like, all these little things that like are are like it's not worth it's not worth measuring or having a metric over it's just just to appreciate that there are sometimes that what we have at our disposal in terms of technology is magical right arthur c clark any any sufficiently advanced technology is in, is indistinguishable from magic oh yeah i totally agree so to kind of to be reserved and like this is magical, uh, and it's not about just having glazed eyes, but like there are times when it's like let's be real, like there's 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 been magic, and <laughs> you know, and there's you know, it's like the things that we struggle with as parents are, you know, I want to watch that program or that movie or I want to watch this thing, which is like it's great to have so much control over the content and the platforms, but there's a lot of bullshit on these platforms. And, and that's, so that's a subjective thing, right? It's not saying objectively there's a lot of BS. I think that there's a lot of BS. And so to have to weed through and then to have time limits or all these things, it's, it's good. It's challenging, but it's also good. And so the things that have, have really blown me away have been like audiobooks and podcasts for for there's actually a show big shout out to buy kids for kids storytime podcast it's like a bunch of it's like three or four kids or teenagers in like i think johannesburg like in south africa um who <laughs> produced the show for the last three years it's been absolutely a godsend <laughs> of an experience that she will like, can I hear those, that story a hundred percent. You can hear that story because again, there could be, if this is how I absorbed, you know, as an autodidact person, a non-academic person, like I learned how to play music by listening to music and then learning about timing and rhythm and, and, and technique by playing along to what I was listening to. So to have audiobooks and podcasts and stories, not as a distractor, but as an enriching, another, as another resource. Yes. So that you're not completely blocked off from the world, but you can, you could be listening to the story of Hansel and Gretel while you're seeing the, you know, you're seeing the world outside the car window or something like that is, that's, that is, I'm sure there's a lot of research on, on, on that. That's, that's super important, but, and that I can't even draw up upon right now, but to, to go, to take a moment, I I also want to be respectful of time. I know we've just gone over an hour. 
I've got so like let me know. Minutes. You got thirty minutes. I okay. Cool. Um, so to touch to touch on the tea for a moment because it's so important to me. Um, tea, <laughs> the experience of tea, I realized is the most elegant fuck you to productivity I've ever experienced or to hustle culture I've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, it is, it is as long or as short as you want it to be people like, again, like not to, not to poo poo most of what people are doing. It's like boil water bag in a mug. And then I'm going to go busy, do, do something else. There's a time and place for everything and everything serves a purpose or every, every modality serves a purpose. But when you, when you invest time, like real time and, and practice or invest in a practice, when a tea set becomes an altar space, this is when real fundamental change happens. So um, I've, I've, I've heard, I've read some really interesting studies on, because this is a Chinese ritual, but most Chinese, I'd say most younger Chinese people, uh, let's say maybe Gen X or Gen Y or Gen Z, they don't really, they're not even aware of it because it's like, this is shit that my grandma does. Right. 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 So they're like, yeah. I don't have time for this. I'm not interested. Like I'm busy, like hustling or pursuing whatever, whatever, whatever. But the, you know, so like to, to be, to be a gringo and pursuing this experience constantly and then sharing it with people um, without appropriating it. Cause it's just an homage to what I, to what I, to what I think it actually is. Um, from the perspective, again, from the Western perspective, it's been, it's been really, um, very much like a preaching to the choir because in the beginning in 2010, it was like, I found like yoga scene, slow food people and people who were like, I really don't, I don't want to be at events with, with alcohol. Like it's been really easy to have an audience a, a really receptive audience in these respective uh, pods and these respective communities to have evolved that into, okay, well now I'm this designer. I work in house sometimes with these different clients. And then I also offer this as a sort of a team building mindfulness module in the name of corporate wellness. It's really been interesting to see like that kind of a audience to be receptive to it in, in its own unique way, but there's still now so much to do as we somehow approach this post pandemic society, because whatever was being sold as the promise of a work-life balance has been completely. Yeah. Our faces have been torn off because we're living in a pandemic and because people can't just be away from their devices at home they're just like well i'm just gonna work or i'm gonna like binge watch or i'm going to like doom scroll and like that's that's the ecosystem it's like well right. but there's so much you know it's like there's so much more again given whatever you know privilege access to resources that we we may have i realize you know i'm i'm hopefully almost always checking my own privilege when I'm talking about this, um, at least just to talk to other men, not that that's my main audience, but I feel like it's, it's time to kind of focus on, on men right yeah. now, because I notice that in terms of tea and even digital wellness, that the people who have been receptive to, to what I've been putting out there have been women and mothers. Um, yeah. So that's that's an invitation to focus on that. Yeah, I just want to talk about the the work life balance thing. Yeah, and um, like how it's kind of like once again, well, it's like kind of 
I always come back to like a radical root of something. Like I always come back to like what, who's benefiting. And the work-life balance thing can be so disempowering because we live in this hyper-capitalist society and an employer might be like, you should have work-life balance, but then they're expecting people to be available 24 hours a day. So it feels like one of those things where we, we make it a person, a personal responsibility issue when it's a larger systemic issue. Like when I would do corporate, you know, when I would do workshops for corporate groups, I would first have a conversation with the leadership and be like, what's your policy around work-life balance? You know, what do you, how do you help employees have time for that rather than telling us we're failing if we don't have work-life balance and we have to work to survive um, you know, the, the, the kids and screens thing is like, you know, I also just think about who are the people who are having to enforce that? It's mostly women. And we know that, that, you know, of course there are exceptions. I'm sure you're a very active parent, but we know, especially with this pandemic, how big of a burden child, I mean, you know, women are not getting help. And so I'm always like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to criticize the amount of screen screen time your kid is on because you probably, that's just like survival. And like, maybe we should talk to the kids about start now about how do you have digital balance and what media literacy rather than just demonizing parents. Like, why aren't we demonizing the companies that made this technology in the first place and are selling it to our children? You know, Silicon Valley execs don't let their children have screens at all. They don't, they, they, go, they send them to preschool where there are no screens. And so like, I always want to get to the bottom of it. It's sort of like the same thing with like the digital wellness thing, you know, telling people that this is their personal responsibility. Um, and that, you know, it's really on them without looking at the larger piece around these tech companies that are creating these platforms that are so addictive. Um, it's sort of like telling people, if you recycle, you can end climate change. It's so just, empowering you know and it's like we are living on these platforms that are overwhelmingly created by affluent straight cisgender white men like overwhelmingly you know we don't have other people in the room we don't have well i mean have you read the book algorithms of oppression oh my god it's so Tell me good. about it um had it right here by uh, Sophia Umuja uh, Noble. It's this amazing book about how search engines um, reinforce racism and misogyny. And, um, you know, when you have a group of people who really haven't experienced a lot of bias and they're creating a platform, they don't really put a lot of guardrails into it. They don't think about how could this be used to harass people? How could this be used um, to silence people. Um, so I just, I just feel like the corporate piece is really important. And that if we're gonna talk about this, if we're gonna talk about wellness, if we're gonna talk about work-life balance, if we're gonna talk about tech-life balance, we also need to hold the larger systems accountable. Yes. Um, you know, people need to make a living. So yeah. Amazon, you know, here in Seattle, like I've worked with a lot of clients who, who work at Amazon, Amazon is an extremely toxic corporate culture. People are expected to have their phone next to them at night to take phone calls at three in the morning. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, and so they could have it, they could have like, they could have like employee wellness day, but what does that really mean? Like, so I feel like we need to both be working on this once again, kind of micro level with individuals groups and also really pushing back um, around these forces that shape our lives and asking them to be more thoughtful, to be more accountable. Um, it's really scary when you kind of step back and think about surveillance capitalism, how much of it yeah. has changed the wiring of things. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you mentioned algorithms of oppression, it also made me think of that uh, documentary. I can't believe it. I can't remember the name right now because I haven't seen it yet because I was waiting for it to be streamable about um, facial recognition tech being created by, you know, like two, again, two cisgendered white techies uh, is basically completely racist. And, you know, just to be transparent, like one of the th reasons why it shows my training 
with the Digital Wellness Institute is that one of the modules was purely focused on uh, digital citizenship with a heavy emphasis on critical race theory and, you know, touching on, on, yeah, racist algorithms or racist, you know, facial recognition tech. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, I just got, I just, I've been in contact with this group called 1600 Avenue and um, it's sort of the nonprofit branch of a, a company, um, this black man does cybersecurity stuff. Like he's a cybersecurity firm and they're looking to do more just partnering with like people around the softer side of that or like how do you also have balance with your technology and they to me and I still need to read through their stuff. It looks really incredible. But one of the things that they did is they did the black social dilemma. So they basically took the social dilemma um, document and they created content based on what is black experience how is technology weaponized against black people um you know what is relatable to that to that group of people and what's their experience like um so yeah i just think the more the more people we have at the table the the higher quality we're you know we're going to get in terms of our tech stuff that was really inarticulate, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, this is just another thing that 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 corporations or whatever, I mean, from startup to enterprise, just need to we need to constantly hit them with because no matter how many times that they try and posture with like uh what are these really what are these roles? like head of diversity roles or something in these corporations. And there's still no like accountability behind that, the role itself. Um, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of work to do there. So I look, yeah, I'm looking forward to to those opportunities again, whether they're virtual or in person, but just, just to focus on that because so much, I mean, it's it's the reason why I developed such an allergy to it over over my my you know experience of, of freelancing you know in and out of different different cultures, different offices, different pecking order, different all this stuff. So, um, this is amazing. I feel like I could talk to you for another fourteen hours. Um, I I uh, I'm so grateful to to you for the time and the space and the container um and i do want to bookmark this for the next you know i hope like to talk to you again like some next month or something like just to just to keep yeah, totally. touching touching on this um what is the what is the best way for people to to reach out to you so the best way for people to reach out to me is to get on my email list because I know that we're all, we all get a lot of email, but I really want to get off social media. Yeah. I really want to get off. I really, that's rented real estate from Mark Zuckerberg. I don't, I don't want to be on it. I gave Instagram a good run and I really hate Instagram for all sorts of reasons. Um, so now I'm just recycling old material on Instagram. <laughs> Um, I'm enjoying being on Clubhouse. I think that has a lot of potential for like deeper and more meaningful conversations. So people can go to my website, which is screentimelifeline.com. Um, you can get a, I have, this, I always feel like so salesy with this, but I created like a DIY guide um, for people to have their own experience with like a tech-free retreat. And I have a lot of prompts in there to help them with the sensory stuff, the contemplation stuff, the mindfulness stuff. Um, so people can get that for free, but I, I think we should all be joining each other's email lists. I think we, I think that, um, you know, for a small business, social Instagram is a waste of time. We yep. cannot beat the algorithm. Yep. Um, so yeah, how people get in touch with me is they go to my website. Um, I do do, I do do two rooms in clubhouse on Sunday evenings. I do just kind of like a. Scroll, slow your scroll, like kind of support group around 
digital wellness. And um, that's been great. I actually really love having smaller clubhouse rooms where people can have a conversation. And so like around the community piece. And then I do, I have this cord cutting meditation um, that I do at 6 p.m. on Sundays, which is like this meditation I have around moving into a tech-free Sunday night. Um, so yeah, people can go to my website. Uh, I am going to be doing two retreats in 2022 and they're going to be amazing. I mean, I was, you know, I had to cancel, had cancel. I had a retreat coming in scheduled in March in 2020 and had to cancel it pretty much at the last minute and present moment. And, and Troncones was so gracious to just let me move it over to 2022 and to move my deposit over to 2022. So I'm going to be starting up with stuff like that um, soon, but right now I'm kind of taking a break from hustle. I'm taking a break from like offering much of anything. And that was scary, but it feels really good. It feels really good. That's fabulous. Yeah. Gotta practice what you preach. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be accountable to the stuff that you're saying. Like I was not, you know, I yeah. was really like, yeah. I got very caught up in like, you have to pivot, you have to pivot. And I'm like, did yeah. I really? Did I need to yeah. pivot? That's coming from a place of scarcity. Um, and so I'm just I'm chilling out. It's really nice. Um, but I do, you know, people I'd love for people to email us because I do really send, I mean, I really do put thought into what I send out. Um, Absolutely. When, when email lists become, when email lists become conversational, which I've noticed, I've now gravitated towards thinkers and speakers and their email lists because it's basically like another act of curation to weed out the bullshit. Right. It's not, right. it is, it's, it's a wonderful thing to like to, you know, and it's timed, right. It's like, I received it Friday at 5 PM so I can unpack it or be inspired by things over the weekend or into the next week, that kind of thing. Like it's, it's email lists have become tasteful. <laughs> so they I, have, I, I mean, that's important have. to not send people a bunch of yeah. spam. Yeah. You know, I used to send an email out every I have a small but mighty group of people on my email list. And I used to do something once a week. Um, but now I just do it whenever I feel like it. Yeah. I think my next my next post is going to be entitled Instagram Broke Me. And I'm going to write all about <laughs> the ways in which Instagram, the ways in which I don't want to spend one more minute of my life trying to yeah. trick an algorithm, trying to think of some fucking hashtags, trying yeah. to like discover like what what's going to perform well. Um I'm just done. Yeah. I'm so done. <laughs> Preach. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so looking forward to the next, the next episode. Christina, thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> thank you so much. It was Thanks so delightful. So, so delightful. Yeah, I really love the yeah. free form. I like that it was free form. Yeah. You didn't just, you didn't just like throw a bunch of questions at me. I no, like I, answering questions. Yeah, I don't think I'm a good question asker to be perfectly honest. I think I'm I am a space holder and I like I'm just curious. So I I never come into any conversation with any guest like with these sort of premeditated questions. Um so, you know, for better or for worse. So yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, it's Friday. I hope you have a delightful weekend and uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.